Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I'm here with Rick from Muscle Camp CrossFit in Worcester, Ohio. What's up, Rick? How are you today? I'm great, Bree. How are you doing? It's awesome to be on this show. Doing well. Glad to have you here. All right, let's jump right into the details here. What is it that made you want to own your own facility? Well, um, I've been in fitness my whole life. I'm, I'm 54 years old. I've always been involved with fitness uh, in high school. Uh, I did some stuff in college, and it's just been a part of my life. And uh, back in 2008, if you can remember back in those in that time period, that's when uh, we had a pretty good recession going on. Uh, I'm an engineer by degree, and uh, um, I had the facility I was working at were, was letting a lot of people go. So I decided at that point, um, what do I really love to do? And it's always been fitness. So I decided to follow the uh, fitness industry. Um, I got my got my personal certification, uh, started out of my garage, and um, and then things just started to take off from there. So that was that was oh geez already 11 years ago so okay all right so it was just kind of something that you enjoyed and it kind of yeah led yeah to... it's, it's just something that I've always enjoyed and then I felt like uh, I had a number of people that I was just had uh, friends or whatever that I was uh, had relations with that I knew that mm-hmm. fitness was also part of their life and I thought well let's uh, let's just do something together so we, we just started small um out of my garage and I I realized that I really had a knack for uh, helping people and I just had a had that burning desire um, as I've I've gotten into my 40s it was in my 40s and now in my 50s realized that um, functional fitness uh, being able to do everyday things uh, sometimes people take that for granted and uh, yes I didn't I didn't want that to happen to myself and uh, people that I cared about so that's just kind of, I guess, the the start of it, and uh, that's just where we've gone from there. Okay, yeah. So the the functional fitness aspect of it is super important. I think it kind of gets overlooked sometimes. The importance of you know being able to carry your groceries into the house or being able to lift something, you know, a heavy box or move something, or um, that's something that really gets lost. And I also think that sometimes CrossFit, I hear this a lot, gets kind of a bad rap, you know, people don't understand the actual, um, reason behind the movements a lot of times. And it kind of gets a, a bad rap. People think that it's just about throwing around as much weight as you can. And a lot of people associate it with injury. There was like a timeframe where, that was kind of like, like the running joke, essentially. I was just talking to another CrossFit box owner uh, yesterday and he was saying, you know, there was a time where everybody was putting memes out there about CrossFit and just people injuring themselves and throwing around a lot of weight. And it kind of put a a bad name on CrossFit for a while. It seems like things are sort of improving in that area, but was that something that you've had to kind of Oh yeah, overcome in some ways. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's always that uh, stigma, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. people either either think of one or two things. That, you know, when you're talking to new people, uh, if they've if they've seen the the videos online or they've watched 
things like the CrossFit Games, they think, well, geez, I can never do what those people are doing. And or mm -hmm. the flip side, they've heard, yeah, all you do is get hurt if you do, you know, do CrossFit. And what what we found is, you know, um, if you have the right type of coaching, the right kind of training program, um, you can certainly minimize those those things. And I always always like to uh, look at it as, you know, there's there, there's risk in anything you do in life. Uh, so we just want to make sure we, we try to be as uh, cautious as we can, but yet uh, if you do nothing, then you're going to, you're going to come across injuries later on in life that you could have avoided if you were, you know, in better shape. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Definitely a good way to look at things. So as far as your business model goes, how yes. do you structure things within your business? Are you doing one-on-ones, group classes, semi-privates? What does that look like? Yeah, the, the majority of our business is just is the group classes. Um, I do do personal training uh, on an as-needed basis. If, if, if I have a client that I think either uh, there's some special needs there, um, uh, but that's that's just offered as, a, as an option. Um, so I lost you for a second. There we go. Okay. So yeah, the, uh, but mostly it's group training. Okay. Yeah, so that makes sense with the uh, CrossFit model. So as far as your client base goes, how many clients are you currently serving? Our membership right now is right around 60. Uh, we, had a, we had a little bit of a drop off uh, within the last couple of years because of, of COVID and stuff, but uh, we're, we've been maintaining for pretty steady now for oh, probably six months. So a little, we're seeing, we're starting to see trickles of new people uh, coming through, uh, getting more and more interest online, uh, filling out uh, questionnaires and stuff uh, about, about muscle camp. So it's, it's nice to see that um, people are getting uh, more used to maybe getting back out into uh, public life. Yes, yes, definitely. And as far as client acquisition goes, you know, getting new faces in your doors. Are you doing any type of paid advertising through Facebook, Google, Instagram, things of that nature? Are you more word of mouth based, referral based? How does that work? Yeah, we're, I do, I, I do, it's all word of mouth and just, you know, the general social media stuff. Um, uh, we have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram page. Um, and so, but I, I haven't done any paid advertising. Okay. All right. Um, so throughout the course of owning the business, that's never something that you've never something done. I've done. We, uh, we are a okay. rural, we're out in the country. Um, so we're a, it's mm. not a big population. Uh, Worcester itself is like 25,000 people. Mm -hmm. And then our, our facility is, uh, outside of the Worcester city limits. So we're in the country. Um, so we get, we get, uh, people that are coming, you know, 25, 30 miles away at, at, at for some of them. Um, so it, it's, it's just been a close knit community. Um, I've, I've always, uh, been, uh, looking at it from the standpoint of, um, uh, we want to, we have a certain clientele that, uh, seems to really, uh, be appealed to. And mm -hmm. so they, that's how we market is just through that, the, the word of mouth. Okay. All right. And how many new clients are you seeing on average per month? Would you say? Uh, on average, probably three or four. Three to four. 
Okay. And those are actually converting to memberships. Those are people that yes. are signing up for some type of membership. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. All right. Awesome. So now pre COVID, where was the membership base? Were you we were, at a hundred members? We were, was we, it or? No, we were, we were at about, uh, we were in the mid eighties. Okay. And, uh, I had, <laughs> it's funny that, you know, you bring that up because, uh, in my 2020 goal, I had I had put out I do goals every year, and our goal for the gym uh, was we were going to finally reach 100. That was something that I've been uh, that's been a strive for uh, a number of years for for our gym, and and that was something I thought was realistic. And then and then yeah, that happened. So but we'll, <laughs> hopefully we'll get back to that point. Yeah, absolutely. This year. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's still, you can, you can still reach that goal. It's just a, a little setback there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, as far as that growth goes, is there anything specific that you're focusing on to get there? Are you going to be running any type of specific offers with, you know, like Black Friday coming up, the new year, anything? Yeah, um, well, yeah we do. We've got plan uh, for the, like the month of December to, we know that it, traditionally November, December are always hard for uh, new people to start. Uh, they've got all the holiday stuff coming up and family stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but what I we always I'll do this uh, December is put out a promo uh, so that uh, we can try to generate enough interest. So when uh, the first of January hits, we get a, we get quite a few new people. So we'll we'll run a uh, a promo for that. Okay, all right. So now. As far as goals go within the business, outside of growing the membership, over the next six months to a year or so, is there anything else that you're specifically focused on within the business? Um, right now, it's it's about um, main, you know, trying to make sure that we've got coaching staff that uh, can handle uh, what our needs are. Right now, we have two mm -hmm. coaches as well as myself, and so you know it would be good for us to maybe uh, look at maybe getting a third coach uh, and then just look at uh, from a, from a facility standpoint, we, we built a new, new facility three years ago. So it's a really nice facility. It, it fits our needs really well. So there's not a, there's not a lot of, um, uh, I don't need to invest a lot financially into the business mm -hmm. right now. Um, we've got adequate equipment uh, to, to handle our needs. And we really try to limit, I don't try to, to uh, diverse into some, some unique things. We just try to stay to the core of, of what the basic elements are within CrossFit. So um, we don't, we don't, there's not any, there are a lot of gadgets that I need to purchase at this point. So from a financial standpoint, uh, yeah, we're looking pretty good there. Okay. All right. And now, so what does your day-to-day -day look like? Speaking of adding new staff, are you training on the floor a lot of hours of the day? Are you teaching a lot of classes? What does yeah. your day look like as the business owner? Yeah, that, I, I do. Um, I, I train uh, every day. Um, there are some days where um, a coach will take uh, either the morning classes or a coach will take the evening classes. And so I'll get a morning break or an afternoon break um, uh, here and there. So, but I do probably 80% of the, the coaching right now. Wow. Okay. So now 
you're doing 80% of the coaching. And then also, obviously you have to focus on the business side of things. So do you find that that kind of distracts you from being able to plan and kind of take care of what's coming next for the business because you're on the floor so much? Yeah. You know, and that, that's, um, you know, I, I go back to the, the pre COVID, you know, we were, we were branching to where that was going to be more of my focus was the business mm-hmm. side of things and, and now definitely be coming again. Uh, but when, when COVID hit, uh, we had, we, we actually lost some coaches. And so mm-hmm. um, I had to kind of reset that focus a little bit. Uh, so, but yes, definitely. Uh, certainly, uh, my goals are to to try to transition more into not so much all the day to day stuff, but uh, more of the vision of of the business. Definitely, yeah. It becomes hard, you know, when you're trying to teach the classes and handle all of the things on the day to day within the facility. It becomes a little bit harder to focus on the business side of things, the growth uh, projections, you know, where you're going with the business. It requires you to wear so many hats and do so many things. And that's oh, yeah. such a common theme yep. uh, among <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's hard to find staff too. You know, that was something that I always struggled with. It was like, I could never get past three people and myself being one of those three. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having somebody, and it's not like you can't just hire anybody, you know, you want the level of service to be upheld and you want them to be delivering the product the same way that you would, you know, and it's hard sometimes to step back and allow somebody else to be in that position. I know for myself, it was like, I always wanted control over that because I knew that if I was providing the service, that the level of service would be upheld. So Mm -hmm. it was always hard to, um, step back and allow somebody else to do that. But obviously finding the right person and putting the right people in the right places to maintain that success is the way to go, but so much easier said than done. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, that's nice. Uh, right now I feel really good with who we have at, on our staff and uh, but yes, yeah, certainly uh, searching for another person that would fill the, that role uh, in the, the mode that in, that I'm looking for is, yeah, that's definitely a challenge. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, the necessary step to reach that next level of growth as well. So sometimes that can be a challenging piece to put into place to be able to reach that next step. Absolutely. All righty. So one thing that I always love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could snap your fingers and improve one thing within your business right now today, what would that be and why? Um, I would say probably just the ability to um, convince people that you don't have to be fit to do CrossFit. That's, yeah. That seems to be a big challenge. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many people, how many conversations I've had with potential people who, uh, or somebody knows somebody that was considering coming to our gym, but you know, they feel like they have to get in shape first. So um, that's, that's always the challenge is, um, you know, convincing people that, you know, cause we have, we have all walks of life that come to our gym and we have, you know, we have an 82 year old grandmother. We have uh, a lady that has uh, significant MS that she can barely walk, but she comes five days a week. 
Um, so there's no real limits physically to, mm-hmm. to come to, to Muscle Camp CrossFit. You, you can come to our gym. We will adapt it to meet your needs. And uh, so, yeah, if I could just set my fingers and, and convince people of that, that would be, that would be something that'd be nice. Yes. I mean, that would definitely be helpful. I know I always, it was always crazy hearing that, like, um, getting it, I got to get in shape before I go to the gym and it's like, wait a minute. That's what the gym's for. <laughs> that is what the gym is for. How are you going to get in shape without the gym? Like, what are you going to do to get in shape before you go to the gym? Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's definitely a common theme. And I can see where that would apply to CrossFit specifically because of some of those ideas that people have about CrossFit. So yeah, I mean, definitely um, narrowing things down, like within your marketing and within your social media and just allowing people to see that you've got people from, you know, all walks of life, all different levels within your facility. And it's not necessary to get in shape before you get in the gym. So yeah, that's, that's definitely, um, a common theme and I can see where that would certainly apply within the CrossFit realm for sure. For sure. All right. So, uh, if you could, I'm sure you've learned a lot of things along the way in owning your own gym. So if you could give someone a piece of advice who is considering opening their own facility, what would that be? What is, what is one of the most valuable things that you have learned along the way? Uh, my piece of advice is, is don't, don't think you need to, uh, start big to get big. Um, you can start with a very small investment. You don't have to have a lot of space. Uh, we started Mm -hmm. out of our garage. I, in fact, most of the equipment that I've purchased over the years has been secondhand stuff that's all very good quality stuff that uh, someone bought and it became a clothes clothes hanger in their their basement. Um, So um, you don't need to invest a ton of money necessarily to get started. And and I always, so that would be my first suggestion is it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot. It takes a desire. Uh, It's going to take, it's going to take your time. It's going to take your effort, your passion, but it doesn't necessarily have to take a lot of money. Right. Yeah. I always love hearing about the gym owners that started in their garage and worked their way up. And it's such a a good way to start uh, because it allows you to be able to learn along the way some of the things that you need to learn without having the overhead hanging over your head um, the whole time, you know, and so many people just get into these facilities and kind of go both feet in at the same time. They want to jump right in. They want to have a nice facility with the nicest equipment. And of course, everybody wants that, you know, that's always um, a point that you want to get to, or or most people rather, but um, being able to start slower and just kind of work your way up and learn things along the way is a super important piece of advice because there are so many things that you just don't think of initially when you think about opening a gym. Absolutely. Yes. So yeah, that's a, a very valuable piece of advice for sure. 
Alrighty. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Yeah, they can find me. Uh, we have both Facebook and Instagram, Muscle Camp CrossFit. And uh, we also have a website. They can go to musclecampcrossfit.com. All righty. Perfect. So Rick from Muscle Camp CrossFit in Worcester, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great having you on the show. All right. Thank you, Brianna. Love it. Of course. All righty. And to all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there. We'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast. We talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guests, owners of Twisted Fitness Gym in Madison, Wisconsin, Sonia and Mark Plavkin. How are you doing, guys? Good. Good. How are you? I am psyched, man. I, I'm, I'm excited to have you guys on. Uh, we're going to try to cover as much as we can in this time that we have. So let's hop into it. Just tell us about Twisted Fitness Gym, uh, what you're all about there. Well, if you'd asked me a couple of years ago, I would have said we were the premier Brazilian jiu-jitsu facility in Madison, Wisconsin, but we've had the chance to build a brand new, beautiful facility uh, that we moved into a little over two years ago, 18,000 square feet that we now have a home for. Um, an athletic training facility, a CrossFit gym, Muay Thai kickboxing, uh, our Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu facility, um, United strong States man, Strongman, United States Powerlifting Association, USA Weightlifting, USA Weightlifting, for Olympic lifting. So we've sort of tried to uh, brand ourselves here in Madison as the pr premier athletic training facility in in the area. Heck yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys. <laughs> It's like spin the wheel of fitness over there. Like every, everything that somebody could want in, in niche training, general training, access, coaching, you know, without being sport specific outside of martial arts, like you guys really, you have it all. And from, you know, something where I think you, you maybe you may not toot your own horns here. It's not just all slapped together in a warehouse. This is a modern, beautiful state-of-the-art facility with, you know, amazing equipment, top of the line, everything, everywhere you look, you guys really, you, you go big or go home. You guys went big. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. And, and thank you for making such an amazing facility. I mean, I, um, you know, I'd love to see more concepts like this pop up across the country and, you know, the more, maybe somebody's going to be thinking about it and they hear you guys and and we'll, we'll inspire some people, but let's give a little bit of background. Uh, you weren't always involved in every single discipline that you have here. It's mostly a martial arts background and, and for really lack of better words, a little bit of, of a, 
of a bootstrap ground up story. So give us a little bit of that background, because as you said, people just see this finished product and it's amazing, but it wasn't always that. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, we, we, um, I, I started training jujitsu in uh, the kind of mid to late nineties after the UFC exploded. And um, so I, I met her uh, at a martial arts facility where I was teaching some jujitsu and she happened to come in to train some traditional Muay Thai kickboxing uh, because at the time, uh, you know, the Taibo and, and, and that like the cardio kickboxing was taken off, but she didn't want to be ingenuine. You know, she wanted to learn real kickboxing. So, uh, you know, she was working at a fitness facility that asked her to teach cardio kickboxing and she decided to train some some real kickboxing and it just happens one day the the coach of the kickboxing is like you should check out this jujitsu thing and, so uh, i did <laughs> yep yeah and so uh she started training jujitsu with us in, Nin- you know, 1999 yep. yeah back in 99 yeah so and uh yeah we we um i i got my first official facility where i wasn't teaching outside of a or teaching in another facility i got my first own my my own building i took a small business loan that was early 2003 maybe Mm -hmm. uh, where i finally kind of decided to do my own thing and i uh i couldn't afford an apartment so i lived in the back uh turned the heat off during the day or turned it on during the day when the students were there turned it off at night to to save money when when i slept so uh, uh slept in a cold twin bed the two of us and a dog uh in the back of this crappy building (laughs) just trying to save save money and make ends meet so yeah so you guys went you went from not having a facility to having your own facility and in owning or or you know having a mortgage on the building so you never went and rented from somebody else once you had your own actual standalone business well so i i was renting that space in 2003 that was my first my first space i took a about a twenty thousand dollar loan just to buy you know the mats and the basic things i needed to run that uh and it kind of took off from there we were you know we were we've always been pretty good at what we did when it came to the jujitsu and the mixed martial arts craze was also really taking off then so we had a lot of guys that fought some guys that were on tv and things like that so it really helped us boost our uh you know our our uh, reputation in town uh, and then we ended up moving into another gym after that so we were in the the past facility this facility is new as of october 2019 the one we're in now uh, the past facility we were in we were in for 13 years and that was also rented space in another gym and that's kind of uh how this all snowballed we outgrew that space. We moved. Everybody wanted to have a gym still. Um, we we did try to get the other gym owner to go with us, and that didn't work, unfortunately. So, and we selfishly wanted a, a space to work out inside of yeah. our facility, right? Yeah. If we're going to be here anyway, it makes sense to have everything we wanted in a workout facility as well. Yeah, and be able to our, encourage and our, our students. students did as well. They didn't want to have. You know, I don't want to have a membership here, here, here. They're like, well, are you going to put in some gym equipment? And that's how it started. Are you going to put in some gym equipment <laughs> turned into this place? So oh boy, howdy, we are going to put some gym equipment in. Okay. So that gives a little bit even better picture. So your previous facility, you were in a gym so people could come train mixed martial arts with you, yep. but also all the gym equipment per se was yep. there. 
So they didn't have to. And then in order to make that a, a better transition for you and your students, it was, all right, we, we want to have another, you know, bigger, better, badder mixed martial arts training studio, but we also need to figure out a way to work out, you know, put a, yeah. a gym or gym equipment training facility yeah. in here. And then at some point you decided, well, might as well go for all of it. Yeah. yeah. So it snowballed. It wasn't the original plan though. You didn't just say, I want to build the Taj Mahal. It was like, all right, if we're going to do this and you'd been in the previous spot, you said 13 years. So you had to be thinking if we build this place, this is it, right? This is, yeah. This is our hill to die on here. We're that, was gonna kind of, that was kind of the thought, yeah. Okay, so that that kind of, it wasn't just, you know, these these wild, because as gym owners and trainers and, and people like to work out, we all get obsessed with toys and shiny objects, but it wasn't just that for you. It was like, we need to start as well off as we can because this is, you know, it, it, it's like buying a good car versus a cheap car. Like a cheap yeah, I, car might last you a year or two, a good car is still, you know, it's not going to get you to work any better, but a good car might last you 20 years. So if you can start off with a good car, you might as well. Right, right. Awesome, awesome. So you guys opened up in October 2019. Yes. Yep. So you got a good solid like four and a half months yeah. in yep. before Mother Nature said, yep. sorry, too bad. Right. So what did that look like for you? closures restrictions how did you guys handle it um what things did you were you able to adjust not adjust to come out on the other side of that thing or i think we're mostly on the other side of it who knows until the next variant but you know right yeah better off than we were i, I think right. yeah i mean we were closed down for two and a half months so we were forced to close for two and a half months and then we're in a pretty strict county in the Midwest. So, you know, technically our county had our jujitsu program shut down because it was considered a contact sport for a year. So for a full year. And that was, you know, 75% of our revenue at the time, because we were such a new gym facility, the majority of our members, 75% of our revenue was still, you know, jujitsu. Yeah. So to have that program shut down for a year was a real yeah. struggle. Real yeah, struggle. Yeah, for sure. That's, and you know, that's something that um, could easily be, be overlooked. I think one is, you know, we've seen gyms in and out of closure and different variations, but you know, the fact that, you know, um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is so high contact, it, it definitely, you know, develops a lot of scrutiny. And then you didn't have that established base of customers who, we're coming in to do other things. So timing really couldn't have been much better for you on that thing, I guess. Right, right. But so the upside started, is whatever okay. doesn't kill you makes you stronger, I hope. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, it forced us to pivot on a lot of things. You know, what served us really well was having a brand new facility that was so clean, so open, had such good air ventilation in the building. Mm -hmm. um, and then also being able to direct some of our jujitsu students to things like CrossFit. You know, something they hadn't done before, but they couldn't do jujitsu. CrossFit was, you know, something new, something to keep them engaged, something that also had its own community that they still felt that sense of camaraderie and community that they were missing with jujitsu. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And it's not like they just couldn't do jujitsu with you. They couldn't do it anywhere. 
Right. So there's a couple of things. It's like, hey, I, I mean, I know a little bit about jujitsu and I know that there's a lot of conditioning that can go into it. And if you're not practicing, if you're not rolling around, it gets real bad real fast. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's there's that tie-in, right? Like, hey, you guys can at least at least keep your conditioning up in this way. You can at least keep right. training. It's it's not gonna be you know sport or practice specific, but you know, these people do need that outlet, their 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 activity, they're used to it. So it's cool that you were able to to tie that in. So when did you guys come out of most of your restrictions? Was it other than than the BJJ was it that was like, kind of tiered yeah uh, we got to reopen at I think 25 percent capacity for a while and then 50 but um the rest of our state um was kind of opened up after a few months and then because of our county and the way they chose to do things uh they kept again the the, the jujitsu was shut down for almost a year they turned the classes on and off like a faucet they would have some like months where you could run classes and then they were like well no they shut them off again before the holidays uh you know in, in 20 because they didn't want anybody to go to thanksgiving with covid or whatever and, and we never had a problem i think which was the most upsetting part uh was you know we didn't have we weren't having any issues uh, nobody's nobody was getting covid everybody was getting healthy you know we're doing it right but it was uh gyms gyms were sort of made to be the bad guy yeah. when it came to covid unfortunately it was an unfair narrative to sell because gyms really weren't the source of you know no, if anything, COVID spreads if anything, we should be pushing pushing health you know and i think every day that goes by now more and more we see that you know we see that you know if you have a lot of comorbidities that's that's going to be the issue so let's get healthy you know let's eat right let's work hard for sure. Yeah. I think that a lot of light was shined on the, maybe the stereotypes of, that people had with some of the, the bigger gyms of, you know, people sweating all over equipment yeah. and yeah. leaving stuff and not realizing that there are these whole other groups. And, and I think most fitness facilities that were, that were surviving already through the ups and downs of business had, had realized, you know, members like a clean facility members, will take care of their own stuff or they appreciate, you know, a lot of that stuff. And it wasn't, you know, these dirty, dark dungeon gyms that are just kind of festering pools of infection. Right. And she always jokes that coming from the martial arts, you know, we always had a lot of, you get uh, ringworm and, and infantigo and staph infections, all that stuff from dirty mats and all that stuff. So we've always been very clean. Uh, yeah. because that's the job you know is to keep people free of skin disease and everything else when you train the grappling arts or you wrestle and uh we you know, we carried that into every aspect of the facility to begin with because we wanted this nice clean we were kind of challenging that idea that to have a hard work gym you know because you look at the you know the west side barbells and you're like that's awesome and it is i, I love it you know oh, I, yeah. I grew up watching pumping iron i get it <laughs> but you don't need this filthy facility to generate you know, monster lifters or, or solid athletes, you know, you don't need everything to be uh, rusty and, and old. It's, it can be, you know, nice. It can smell better than a locker room smells, you know, and, and, uh, and still get the hard work done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, uh, it's just like the, you know, people being afraid of being injured in facilities and stuff like that. A lot of times the easy realization in the, the conversation you have with people is, you know, getting people injured or getting people sick it's bad for business anyway right we don't want to do that like yeah. you know you yeah. don't want people 
you know, feeling like they're, they're gross from the gym and not just, you know, gross from working out. Those are, right. those are yeah. two different feelings. And yeah. it's not, you know, we're in a different time. Like people want, they want it all. They want a facility yeah. where they can train hard, but where they can also feel good about it. And, you know, they can, they can, you know, sit down in their $150 pants that they wear to the gym and not, not be filthy or yeah, right, you know, yeah, right. whatever that gear costs. Uh, that's out of my realm for rationality, but that's a different, that's a different topic completely. I know some people love, love it. So, all right. So you, you guys put this thing together, you get the COVID slap, you're still there on the other side and you're, you're looking at an 18,000 square foot facility. Um, it needs people, right? The long-term vision is going to be, you know, we, we have this number in mind. This is how many clients are like, did you guys have stepped goals? Like, all right, we, we want to make 300 and then 500 and then a thousand is our, our long-term max. Did you have hard and fast goals or milestones that you set off with us? I mean, we did, as far as the business plan we used, you know, to, to secure the financing and everything. Uh, it was pretty, it was pretty conservative. I mean, we would have liked to have done better. I'm glad we made it as conservative as we did now because nobody really saw the COVID thing coming. And, and I think the only reason we made it through is because, uh, I mean, we don't quit easily, either one of us. That's kind of a, you know, something we pride ourselves on. But um, also it's, you know, because we had kind of been conservative with the numbers, we were able to, to kind of make it through. And, uh, but long-term, I mean, yeah, we have some, you know, I would like a short-term goal for me has always been about 300 members that just do, um, that do everything that do jujitsu and that, you know, or that, or that, that bigger price point membership, but people that really take advantage of the facility. Um, we didn't build it to just be a standalone gym. You know, the focus has always been on kind of the instructor led programs and, you know, I, I feel like more people get uh, productiveness out of that. They, the CrossFit, the Jiu-Jitsu, they, they, they need a little help. Everybody needs kind of a, a guide. So you kind of reverse engineered the model that we see having the most popularity, which is with a bigger gym like you have is you build this beautiful general access, very, very equipped facility where people can come in and do their own thing. Yeah. And then you know, you hope that 10, 15% of people will engage in some form of, some form of training for yeah. you. It's more, we really want your, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You're not turning people away to that degree, but the people you feel like you give the most value to are the people who want to come in and really make use of that all in membership. Yeah. And then the access membership is the secondary part. That's yeah. all right. If you need to take some time off from training or if, if you have a sport that you do or you have something else that you do, we've got this beautiful equipment, come use it, enjoy it. Yeah. But you really are reaching out to people who want training, who want coaching and who are going to get that high service end of things. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, comparatively, we have some, we have a great price point on what we offer. And so I think that's really good because you look around, you could do jujitsu for the same price that people will pay to come in and also have access to the gym or be able to do CrossFit or kickboxing or something else. And that's kind of the goal is you look at, you walk in, you see the place, you're like, yeah, that's okay. You can do all of this. 
and people start to decide they can. And we get it the other way too. We do get a lot of people that join the gym and all of a sudden they see the guys kickboxing or they watch everybody doing jujitsu and they're like, yeah, can I, can I try that? Yeah, of course you can, you know? And, uh, yeah. And, and I think your price points are, I mean, they're on your website. They're out there. So are you good if we talk about them? Sure. sure. Cool. So what I see there are two things. One is you're all in, you know, the, the totally twisted membership. And I know there's different tiers for commitments, but we'll use generalities here at around $150 a month yep. is probably what most people would expect to pay for a CrossFit yep. or a good martial arts training gym, or even a really nice training facility in some areas. Yep. So you're like, Hey, you can have it all on the other side of that. You know, your, your basic access membership at $60 ish a month is higher than a lot of the other gyms. So you're already placing yourself in a pool of potential clients who weren't looking for the bargain. You know, the 10 and $20 a month gyms have their place, bless them. They're, they're doing a lot of good work. There's people that get healthy in them all day, but you kind of already self-selected the pool of people who can and in all likelihood will at least try one of your upper echelon services, whether it's right. personal training or the all-in membership, just by virtue of that price point. And, and I mean, above and beyond that, the place just looks like it's worth it. It's not your run-of-the-mill gym. So I like how the price points play into that back and forth synergy too. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the plan. I mean, we never wanted to be in an inexpensive gym in the sense that, that well, hey, we have uh, top-of-line equipment all the way across the board. Yeah, for uh, sure. I think if somebody walks in, I mean, I had a guy, I had a guy walked in yesterday and he's, he's like, oh, what's to sign up the gym? Like a hundred bucks a month. Like he looked around the gym and was like, I'm like, yeah, I'll take on. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm like, no, it's only 60 a month. And he's like, really? You know, um, it's, it's one of those things where I think a lot of people that appreciate it, they walk in and they think that 60 bucks is a deal. But I've had a lot of our guys tell us that they're like, oh yeah, I'd pay, I'd pay more, you know, to work out here and you, you love it, you know, so especially people that are into specialty you know if you're into strongman yeah sixty dollars a month for a facility that has all the strongman equipment and is a beautiful facility and all the accessory equipment you might want to use or you know someone that's into olympic weightlifting we have four olympic weightlifting platforms with two to have dedicated sets of jerk blocks on them you're lucky if you can find one set of jerk blocks at most yeah. gyms so sixty dollars a month for you know a beautiful olympic lifting area is unheard of good bars competition plates you know yeah. i mean we're yeah. trying to i mean to be frank it looks like every specialty high-end equipment catalog in existence exploded in your gym <laughs> except it, it exploded very neatly <laughs> <laughs> thank you um, so yeah i mean it's it's really of like somebody walks in hey do you have this yes what about this yes what yeah just Yes, we, we have all of that. Yeah. We have things that you're not going to think about asking. Go, go Let's walk around. You can see it. And then we're going to talk about how good of a bargain it is. So yeah. I love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit of operational stuff for you because I think for people or with you that are thinking about something like this, um, there are some things that, that I think could be intimidating or challenging. One, the thing that stands uh, you know top of my head is you have all these different programs to me, it gives me like anxiety thinking about marketing for that. Yeah. Like how do you get your message across efficiently 
to this whole cross section of people who might want to come and find you? Like what kind of marketing have you done? What's, what's been effective? And if there's been anything that was really ineffective that you want to share, that's helpful too, because, you know, we try to save people those pitfalls. Yeah. Social media was big. Um, Obviously, I think that's kind of where people are really getting the most bang for their buck now. You can get a lot of stuff out there cheap or free. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we, we kind of, it's kind of ebbed and flowed. We started out, we, we have a, you know, Instagram and Facebook for uh, the CrossFit because you have, you know, your own CrossFit franchise if you run CrossFit. So we're mm -hmm. a CrossFit franchises. We have that, um, the, the gym, uh, the jujitsu and the kickboxing all as kind of separate entities. Uh, and kind of went from there and it gave us a good chance to kind of see what took and what didn't. Uh, we ended up peeling back that a little bit. And what we've done is continue to focus on the jujitsu and then uh, the gym and kind of incorporated more the the kickboxing and the, the CrossFit back into the gym as far as the advertising goes, you know, because you get a lot of people that are like, oh, I'll go to a gym. Oh, they got bags so I can hit some bags. You know, they like that. But and that's it. You know, that's all they want. So. It, you still hit that person without going, Hey, you have to do kickboxing. Hey, you have to do. Yeah. So. Got it. So you had it kind of parsed out into its individual pieces. Mm -hmm. You took what got its best response on its own and left it siloed. And then the other things you rolled back in yep. to your general messaging. Yeah. Okay. A lot of sitting on the computer, looking at graphs and, you know, seeing where the web traffic and everything was going and what clicks you were getting and, kind of deciding on, on how to, to narrow that in a little bit. Got it. Got it. Okay. That, that makes sense. And then, you know, the, the other side of that is going to be once you roll things back into the gym, social media, you have built in variety, right? You could kickboxing one day, BJJ one day, powerlifting one. I mean, you could do multiple posts a day, but you know, I think for most business owners getting one to two posts a day out is, is tough with everything else that you're yeah. doing because you're wearing a lot of other hats, but you have that built-in variety on the gym page there. And uh, I have to say kudos. I just love the name that you picked for the CrossFit franchise. I mean, you basically named it after rear naked choke, right? So <laughs> that, that's CrossFit rear naked choke. Doesn't sound as cool. No, no, no. <laughs> we try to, you, you, anybody that's dealt with CrossFit, you'll send in five names. Yeah. Somebody even said right away, they're like, you'll send five names and they'll reject them all, you know? And so we tried to do things more around the twisted fitness name to be yeah. and they rejected every one of them. And so, uh, we kind of came up with that because we're like, hey, we do jujitsu. This is a thing. And, you know, we thought it would sounded cool. And it was also a little bit of intrigue. People don't know a lot of people. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We do get a lot of people who speak Portuguese, like Brazilian people contacting us, wondering if yeah. speaks Portuguese here to, to, to teach CrossFit, which is funny. But... That, that's a tough, that's a tough thing. Unless yeah. you have someone that speaks Portuguese. Yeah. I'm working on it. I'm not very good yet. So. <laughs> and we did have some people here for the CrossFit games from Brazil. Yeah. Oh, right. That's uh, yeah. knows us just because of the, the name. Yeah. The yeah. They just looked it up and were like, yep, that's yeah. where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. And I mean, it's just, I guess, geography geeking out where you guys are in this central part of Madison, just off the isthmus, which I think sure. is where, where all the, all the happenings happen. Um, Madison being a, probably a bigger town than a lot of people realize, yeah. bigger than I realize for sure. But um, you know, something we started talking about off the air that I think is is really relevant is 
you have these mini businesses and mini communities inside your main gym and you come from a the you know you have mixed martial arts you have you have powerlifting you have olympic weightlifting you have crossfit all of these things which are super strong tight-knit communities on their own but getting them to mesh and become a bigger family uh, it has a it has a couple of benefits right people who feel like they belong more they stay more they train harder there's there's a lot of uh, benefit and value that they get from that as a business point of view, it, it just makes running the business more enjoyable. You get to kind of see the fruits of your labor there. And it also benefits the bottom line. People stay longer, um, they take advantage of more services, things like that. So what things have you have you tried and and what do you have, you know, kind of on the agenda or the wish list for for ways that you're trying to integrate all these? Um, we're trying to take a more club approach to a couple things. So we're starting a powerlifting club. Uh, one, of, one of our front desk staff slash trainers now, he's moving into a lot of powerlifting training, uh, loves powerlifting with every inch of his soul. So, yeah, you know, we kind of put it on him. We're like, we've always wanted to start a powerlifting club. So uh, make it more of a, a, a club atmosphere where they meet as a group, you know, once, twice a week, whatever it is get some shirts made, just, you know, set some goals for people that want to compete, teach, uh, help each other learn, you know, you know how it is with that, you know, you can suggest something to somebody on a lift and it can help them and all of a sudden 10 pounds later, you know, they're, they're happy. So just something again, to kind of create a little bit more community, same with strongman. And we've been lucky to have some people that want to do that. And, uh, you know, one lady that, that just started trying to help out, she said, that's how I got started was in a club, you know, it would have been intimidating and, and, um, you know, I know she just went and competed at the strongman court nationals. So, uh, she'll be, she'll be an asset. There's a lot of, I think that environment, uh, like you said, to, if we can build some communities that people not only start to branch out and, and maybe talk to other people in the other communities, uh, to, to generate that that yeah. cross traffic, whatever you want to call it, you know? So for us, I, I think the big thing is as we get all that going, it, it allows me to kind of see, Hey, what do you guys, I got one point person who runs the strongman club. Hey, what do you guys got going on? Anybody competing? And then we can put it on social media. And then all of a sudden, everybody, all the jujitsu people are like, Oh, Hey, that's that strongman competitor. Oh, Hey, congrats. I heard you did really well. You know, and that's, that's kind of been the goal is to, to maybe get people, uh, cheering for everybody else even if it's not their sport yeah and also some competitions you know strongman competitions at our facility yeah we got a, we, two uspa competitions coming up uh this year as well yeah big big powerlifting ones um some pretty got a lot of sponsors behind those uh and just having those in our facility being hosted in our facility you know draws interest of our own communities here people that maybe aren't power lifters like oh but there's going to be a competition here that might be fun to try something new yeah a couple of things that stand out for me and um I, interesting to bounce you guys off because you're in a position that you can do it the first is like um for me would be kind of like interdisciplinary competitions even if it was a fun competition like could you mix a powerlifting in a strongman? Like we sure. have, you know, you bench, squat, and then Atlas Stone lift, or things like yeah. that, where you could you could integrate people from those different sub communities. 
and try to try to get some cross-disciplinary yeah. uh, kinship or community? Is that something that you guys have kicked around? Yeah, um, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, we've talked about doing some things as a facility to kind of, it's hard to decide what that would be. And we actually had somebody else kind of suggest that same thing just because they thought it would be fun. One thing that's cool, uh, we noticed this year, and I think with the growth of not only CrossFit, but Rogue as a company, you know, Rogue does the invitational now. And so they do CrossFit, but also Strongman and all this other stuff that we have all of those things in our facility. And we didn't really plan it that way, but all of a sudden we're looking around like this year at the CrossFit games, they had to do a Husafel stone carry. But well, we have a who's fell stone in the gym because we were starting at a gym, right? So all of a sudden, all these you you turn around and here's you know Pat Vellner or somebody carrying the carrying the who's fell stone through your gym, and you're like, that's awesome, you know? I mean, just that uh, you have these athletes come to train for CrossFit, but all of a sudden they're like, hey, they have this implement that we know they're going to throw at us now, uh, because I think all those sports are kind of integrating a little bit, you know? Oh, they're, yeah. they're challenging, like you can see some strongman making its way into CrossFit now all of a sudden, and. Uh, you know, probably through Rogue's influence, but still. Yeah, the, the other thing that stood out there for me, and, and I'll see if I can dig up the resource because it escapes me who did it right now, but something, uh, especially during the two or three months a year where it's warm and you can go outside in Madison, <laughs> um, you know, something like, the twisted games, right? Where I, I you know, it's it's kind of like the Olympics or track and field meet where you have these very different disciplines, but you have groups or you have teams, you know, things like that that people yeah, could yeah. sign up for. And like, you know, this this Saturday, we're doing a two-hour, you know, or or you know, two-hour event in mixed martial arts. And then, you know, next month we're doing a strongman, and then you have a cumulative points where people get some involvement and they get they get to know people in other aspects and other disciplines but also as it carries on over time right if you're here on day one and this competition is going for two months well you got to be here two months from now or three months from now so um i will certainly i'm going to try to it escapes me right now it's somebody who's executed something like this that i think would be be really interesting and and I think for it sounds like for you guys, you, you're not going to directly copy what someone else has done. But as you start to mix these ideas in and yeah. find how it's been executed, I feel like you put your own flavor on it. And yeah. now you do start to mesh what people come there, come there for with the people that also come there for different things. And now all of a sudden you've built this monstrous community that's just going to snowball and, and have its own momentum and just kind of suck people in from the periphery. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm right. I think I'm already excited for you guys. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, keep checking in on you here. So we're nearly out of time as, as it may be when things get this exciting. Um, the last thing that I'm going to hit you with before I let you go is uh, you guys have both been in the fitness, health, sports performance, this whole training world for a while. Uh, and I'll let you both take a crack at this if you if you don't have the exact mirror answer. Um, anything that you wish you would go back and tell your younger self about the business aspects of this or doing it um, or something that you you kind of come across trainers or people in the industry that you're like, I just wish everybody knew this, this thing now or this thing sooner. Is there anything that really stands out for you? 
I, I think the biggest lesson for me is, has been that, you know, people go into business because maybe they have a vision for what they want to do, or they're a great entrepreneur and you can be great at what you do, but what no one ever tells you about running a business is all the things that you're going to have to do that have absolutely nothing to do with what you're passionate about. You know, how much time you're going to have to spend behind the scenes doing the things that don't really feel like value added time, you know, doing book work or, you know, doing payroll or doing some of the marketing or, you know, there's so many things you have to do fighting fires, yeah. you know, things that go wrong. I'll, you know, I could name a million different things, but those, that's what you spend the majority of your time sometimes doing. And no one ever tells you that when you go into business, you think, oh, I love teaching jujitsu or, oh, I love working out. It's going to be great when I own a gym. That's all about that. Or I can teach jujitsu. And you find out as a business owner, to be a successful business owner, you spend the majority of your time prepping to do what you need to do and doing the behind the scenes stuff that isn't very glamorous and doesn't get you a lot of accolades. <laughs> yeah. part of the business part of being a business owner is that's right. Very underestimated. Yeah, yeah. Very underestimated. <laughs> Mark, what about you? Anything that you want to add? My, my, I think if I could go back and talk to my younger self, the, the biggest lesson that I've probably learned through a lot of years of training is, is trying not to project my views or my attitude about training or my goals for other people onto them. I think a lot of times, um, you know, you, you take your, your work ethic or whatever it is in your head and you project that on these, these people that come to you for help and uh, a lot of times in the beginning you find yourself disappointed uh you know when somebody comes in and they're like i'm like did you follow the meal plan oh i couldn't i was too busy so i just went to mcdonald's and you're like oh you know like you get you get super frustrated and i think that that eventually figuring out you know how to, and, and it's just a process for learning how to work with people but um i think in the beginning you know you, you take what you learned about fitness and it's like you want to push it on everybody else almost and it takes a while to figure out how to really steer people in the right direction what's best for them and I, I, again going back to what we've done i think we've created so many different outlets for that now which is one of the reasons i really enjoy it yeah yeah what is that it sounds like the Lone Ranger to me. It sounds like a phone, but I don't know why there would be a phone back yeah, here. So that's weird. Uh, somebody yeah. lost and found. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's um, that's a good point. And then when when you're a trainer, you don't see it as much. But when you're doing additional services above and beyond for people or doing intake, yeah. we want it so badly for people, and we see people's potential. Yeah. But it's easy, it's easy to get overwhelmed in that and not realize that until somebody else sees it in themselves and, and decides that they're going to take those steps, yeah. all we can do is meet them where they are yes. and keep, keep meeting them where they are. And, and I think that's where a lot of burnout comes from is if you yeah. don't have that realization, we get so emotionally invested that it's just like, but if you just do what I told you, you'd be great. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. It's like, but I don't want to. And then there's the the back and forth. But I think, yeah, having that realization is probably what's helped help you keep you in the game as long as you are, because, yeah. you know, that can happen in a year or two of, of just putting your heart and soul into every person you talk to. And, yeah. you know, I think we've all had it. People will 
will cry to you and break down and tell you they need to save their life. And you're like, awesome, let's do this. And then you don't ever see them again because yeah. life, because people are people and, you know, human nature. So yeah, I think finding a way to not lose that fire to help people, but to realize that you still can only help the people who want it. Yeah. Right. And I think it's especially hard when you have, you know, athletes that have so much potential, you find those people that from a jujitsu standpoint or powerlifting or whatever it is, um, you see so much potential in them and you see it not really being appreciated or taken advantage of, you know, you wish you had that much talent in your life and you see it in other people and it's sometimes wasted and it's heartbreaking to see that and to want something so badly for someone because you know they have it in them. Yeah, finding a way to channel that is is its own skill in and of itself, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It don't, doesn't seem like either one of you had given up on people anytime soon. So oh, I no. feel like at least figuring out the balance on a day by day. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that is all the time that we have for today. Before I let you go, uh, give us a website, social media. Where can people come and look for you and look for Twisted Fitness Gym? Uh, www.twistedfitnessgym.com perfect doesn't get much simpler than that no underscores no special characters oh, no. go to the website watch the video it's pretty badass check out everything they have to offer thank you two so much for being here today i really appreciate you thank you awesome thanks for having us you are very welcome and to everyone out there listening as always we appreciate you thank you for spending part of your day with us we wouldn't be here without you. If you found value and inspiration in this episode and want to hear more, click the link, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone in Jim Lord's Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Miss Anna Hagen of Anytime Fitness down in the Georgia region. Anna, what's going on? How are you today? Hey, how's it going? It's really good. Kind of chilly. Loving it. Kind of chilly. Anna, I don't feel bad for you. I'm up in New York, and so I would imagine we know a little bit more about being chilly. But nonetheless, welcome. Excited to have you on. And... Anytime is, I mean, Anytime is a national brand. Most of the people that listen to this know what Anytime is and what it's about, but there's a lot of artistic license 
when it mm -hmm. comes to running in any time and, and how you guys operate. Give us an idea of kind of when you describe what you do, what are these clubs about? Oh, community. Um, the ones that I run, it's mostly centered around community. Um, I'm really big with my staff about getting to know our members, getting to know their personal goals and what we can do, you know, through the programs we offer and even through our own personal interactions with them instead of, you know, not making them feel like everything has to be a money transaction. Like you come in, if you need help, we're there to help. Okay. And so big focus on the community, right? Like we said, this is a fairly well-known brand, but Anna, let's talk about you for a minute before we hop in on the business side. How did you get involved with this? What brought you to Anytime? Um, I was a member of Anytime. I started out as a member. Um, I became friends with the manager of one location and she knew that I was looking for, you know, just a temporary job. And um, I applied, I got the job and I managed my own location. And I mean, it's been six years now. I've uh, definitely done all the grunt work that it takes to be a location manager. Um, and now I'm six years later. Um, I am a regional manager and I, I oversee six locations. Okay, so six of them. So you've climbed the ranks a little bit and I'm sure that you've grown in managerial knowledge and business oh, yeah. knowledge overall in that time. Oh, yeah. Just kind of just your your general experience with it. How have things been in those six years? Um, it's been up and down. It's it's a it's definitely a roller coaster of I hate this job. I love this job. I hate this job. I love this job because you know you deal with the ins and outs and you deal with the horrible experiences when it comes to staff and members. And then you get the good side of getting to know each of them and the ones that stick around it. Just, it makes it feel like a family. I'll say the thing I've grown the most at are professional emails. <laughs> when I came into it. Good skill um, set. Yes, when I came into it, my professionalism was more like per my last email, da 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 da, da. Now I've learned, you know, how to get my point across in a way where it, it maintains the membership where they're like, okay, I guess I'll stay. I guess I won't cancel, you know, it, just learning how to finagle those things professionally. Yeah, and so, of course, how to to hold the professionalism of the seat that you're in while also communicating to people like they're human beings exactly. right? people that go to gyms rarely is this a life and death industry and so we don't we don't need to have the urgency of someone in a hospital for example but yeah. we can talk to people and level with them and, yes. and it sounds like that's really been a huge growth point for you now Anna, let's talk about the clubs that you oversee, right? There's six of them. And so it, it's not really worthwhile for our time to go through individually, but tell us a little bit about kind of the business model with these clubs. Anytime is known for the open gym aspect of it, right? People paying a monthly membership, coming, doing their own workout, going and leaving on their own time. But there are additional services that anytime layers on top of that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. Um, so we've been, I think, about two and a half years now. We uh, paired up with KP Softworks and we started offering um, more, more personal training. We used to offer it, but it was on a 
pay as you go kind of a thing. Like it was, there was never a set contract where now we offer six month personal training agreements, 12 month personal training agreements, anywhere from once a week to four times a week. Um, it's been pretty, pretty successful at first when we got into it, we got a lot of pushback um, about price wise, you know, oh, it's too expensive. I can't afford this. You know, let me talk to my husband. Let me talk to my spouse, see if we can budget it in. Um, but now we've, we have an amazing personal training manager who oversees all of it. And she just has a way of breaking it down to where it's not so much about cost. It's more about need and what your goals are. And I mean, that's really the gist of it. We, we do plan on bringing out um, group fitness training um, now that we had Planet Fitness just opened up literally three blocks from us. Um, so now we're not necessarily trying to compete with them, but we definitely want to make sure that we're offering almost the same type of stuff. And the group training is a big selling point for them. So we're, we're getting our trainers into a position to where they can start doing group training and looking at the incentive programs that we can provide for our trainers as well. Yeah. If, and you mentioned planet fitness opening and it's anytime has really niched itself into this interesting sort of medium box category. It's not quite big box, but like a bit more on the, here's how we can tailor and coach you less just sheer volume and, and yeah. low price comp competition. But within the model and within the services that you were talking about, right? Personal training and group training is really a huge generator of revenue when we oh, yeah. talk about this sort of business model of the membership that you guys have, how many of those people or what percentage of that population upsells into one of those services? Hmm. I, Lord, I would probably have to say at our Kingsland location, because that's, that's my baby, so to speak. Um, probably about 30% because we have a high military membership and a lot of military they're already in fit shape. They already know what they want to do, what they don't want to do. Um, we cater, I think, more towards uh, older more like PPV members. And then we have a little bit of the younger in the mid-range. But I would say probably about 30%. Okay. I, and, and so how do you guys typically drive interest in those? A lot of the time, the, the kind of industry standard is a free personal training session. Is that something that you guys utilize? Yep, we utilize that. And we also require uh, gym hours from our trainers, which means they're required five hours per week to be in the gym, wearing their shirts, walking around, meeting people, even giving free sessions just to kind of get that um, mm. to see. Because we've had a lot, uh, I would say that majority of the training has come about because they see them actually training someone. And they're like, hey, okay. I like that. Let you know what. Let me go ask some questions, and then we reel them in that way. Right. right. I used to be involved with an Equinox in New York City, and and managing that sort of location, and that's on par with what you're talking about here. One of the troubles that we had was that we would have all of these signups happen within a month and offer this sort of free personal training session, but the utilization of that was just something that we had trouble increasing. It yeah. was just maybe 10% on average and 20% on a good month of people actually taking advantage of that session. Is that something that you guys experience as well? Yeah. Um, I know that KP pushes for us to do um, membership profile cards 
right there at the time of sign up and trying to get them put on the books for a free consultation like right there at sign up and that's we don't have very good luck with that um typically because people have questions that we don't have answers for the way that i run my staff is i prefer my office staff to know as little about the personal training program and, and prices so that way when someone says well how much is this you know, we don't just rattle off, of, oh, you know, it's it's $4,569 with a 12-year contract. I'm sorry, a 12-month contract. You know, so the less we know about their job, the more selling they get to do. Typically, if we can, if we know that someone is really interested in training, I will grab a trainer or I'll grab mm -hmm. the personal training manager. And it's like, I want you to come meet them, you know, and then right there, it's hook, line, and sinker. That's, I just prefer my staff to be like, if you see a trainer, grab trainer. I see. And so for my understanding, is it the trainers doing the majority of the selling for personal training? Yes. How has your experience with that been? Hit or miss. Um, we are really, really lucky to have uh, our personal training manager. She, I mean, she is just fantastic. She does a great job at selling. Um, she has a way of bringing the price point to where it's more of a, this is something you need. This is something that's going to get you where you need to be. Not this is what you're going to be paying because essentially if you put a price on something it kind of invalidates the meaning of it um we have some trainers that selling comes natural and we have some trainers that couldn't sell you water in the desert <laughs> so we <laughs> we struggle with that as goes fitness <laughs> yeah but luckily like i said with our personal training manager she does really good with coaching and role playing and and really yeah. trying to build their confidence up because when we build them up they typically sustain there and it, when they get a cancellation or the person ghosts them it takes a blow to their confidence with it and they feel they kind of retract and it's like no 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 no, no. it's it is it's a part of the business right right it is what it is and that's kind of been the nature of personal training in the history of our industry whether it's a personal training exclusive studio or this type of model when we sign up a new pt client great this is a huge revenue driver when we lose a pt client oh god that was a huge portion of our revenue and so it's yeah. just a much bigger higher risk higher reward sort of situation but yeah Anna, with with you guys, let's I mean, let's shift gears a little bit here and and talk kind of the the process overall, right? The majority of the time, people are signing up for the open gym membership and then upselling to PT. Rarely are we getting people coming in looking for PT specifically. Mm -hmm. How are you guys marketing to find that front end customer? How are you generating leads to get people coming in the doors? Facebook, word of mouth, and money pages. Um, our Facebook, we stay pretty active on it. Um, you know, between corporate flooding the pages and us trying to keep it very personal to our one location, um, I'd say a lot of our attention is from Facebook. Um, we do the money pages, which is a local advertising company. It works. <laughs> it works. I see. Understood. Um, okay. And so let me, let me ask you this, Anna, is that something you guys, you guys are, it sounds like you're outsourcing it to a third party company. Is that something you guys have ever considered bringing in house? Yes and no. Um, mm, yes and no. I think the way that the owner prefers it is he prefers to keep it, you know, third party. 
um, it's just kind of easier that way to just entrust someone else to, to get the advertising and the marketing out there. Um, but we just, you know, I, I still try to do as much in-house as possible when it comes to Instagram, um, Facebook, community events like parades we show up to. Um, goodness. We do things in the club. Like I have introduced the thousand pound club and then we started doing the 500 pound club for the ladies and we're about to roll out a, uh, an elite 700. Um, so it's just lots of gym interactions with the people in the gym and then they end up bringing their friends in. Honestly, I would say word of mouth is really our biggest marketing. Sure. And, and that seems to be the case for most fitness businesses, right? We can rely yeah. on that to be a higher quality client the trouble is we can't rely on that for how many we're going to have right we may yeah. have 50 referrals this month we may have two next yeah. month and it's it's typically a bit sporadic that way and more so in the seasonality of yeah. fitness in general take us kind of bigger picture here within your club sort of a two-pronged approach right we have our open gym membership we have our pt for you as sort of the overseer and leader of these things, where are you focusing your time? Is it to grow the membership? Is it to grow PT? Is it some semblance of both? Retention. Mm. That's where the money's at is retention. Um, <clears throat> is that something you guys have trouble with? No, no, not at all. That's just, that's always been where my numbers have been the highest is with retention rates. Um, we do things annually for our members that have been there. Um, we do raffles for two plus years. You know, um, we just try to make sure that the the members that have been there get the attention as well. You know, they may not have gotten the one dollar sign up deal that we were offering. You know, they may be at a different rate than what we're offering now. They may not have um, realized about the free personal training session, or they did it years ago and then now that we've got a new program we're just trying to keep them active and them involved and make them feel appreciated and welcome because right. that's i mean honestly they're the ones that have shown the most commitment you know we're always going to get new people because we're in a military town so you yeah. know every year it's a new boat it's new families new wives yeah. new husbands and yeah and and retention in our industry whether it's this model or any type of business model is about utilization right if yeah. people are coming in consistently and they're using other things other amenities within the club they're gonna stay yeah right? it's when those things start to drop off and so yeah. is attrition or or churn a metric that you guys track as, as a business me personally yes um, I know that the owner pays attention to it, but I'm, I'm more of a stickler about it. Um, I try to pay as much attention to the numbers as possible to see where I can get in to, to either coach my staff or even just make my presence known more at a certain location and kind of offer in my own personal community and getting to know them and kind of leading by example so my staff understands that you know, yes, just because I'm, you know, the regional manager and I come in and I inspect and I, you know, write the, you know, you pass or you fail. I'm still very much from, you know, it was that started from the bottom. Now I'm here. I've done the grunt work. I've done yeah. the, you know, 10, 12 hours in the gym. I've done the seven days a week working. So it's, it's, I have no problem getting into every location and learning more about the members and the numbers and what can we do different? What? Yeah. And 
and, and to your point, right, retention, it's really tough to fill a bucket if that bucket has holes in the bottom of it. And so that needs to kind of be dialed in first and foremost. And so, Anna, I've got kind of two questions left for you here, and, and they sort of go hand in hand. First, what do you think is the biggest challenge for you guys when it comes to growing your business? Planet Fitness. Competition. <laughs> Yeah, that's because in, in this area where uh, my Kingsland and St. Mary's gym, we're, we're four miles apart from each other. I mean, we've been the only gym in this area for eight, nine years. So it's only been us in the rec center. Um, so we haven't had an issue with bringing all the gym members in because there is no other option. You know, so now that we have that other option, we have to... I wouldn't say step our game up because my staff has always been on top of their game when it comes to, you know, how we are in the gym, but I would say it's more of healthy competition. You know, you get complacent a little bit like, ah, you know, yes. this is my sure. town. And then there's a new sheriff and you're like, Oh, okay. Sure. But now it's, it's just revamping certain things and causing us to rethink uh, certain like um, we were never big into bi-weekly billing. That's just never been an option. And then now it's becoming something that we're considering, you know, especially as bi-weekly is a little bit more appealing. You know, you can frame it to look cheaper than what it is. You know, sure. it's just, it, it's, cheaper is a horrible word, you know, more affordable. Yep. Um, there's just in our personal training packages, uh, my uh, manager, she's working, uh, we have a, what is it? A uh, nutritionist on staff now, licensed nutritionist. And we're going to start utilizing her and offering uh, little consultation packages inside of our personal training packages with our nutritionist to help dial in people's diets and, and people and stuff like that for the personal training program. So we're just yeah. looking at little things to, you know, va va voom. Yeah. Competition keeps you on your toes a little bit, right? Truly. Truly. Good, good. good. And then I'm in a kind of the, the way we can wrap this up best. The last question I have for you is where is the biggest opportunity for you guys to grow your business? I mean, there's really only a handful of ways to do that within this model and it's get more people, increase the revenue per member with other services or keep people longer. Where is your biggest opportunity for you guys moving forward? I would say probably the last two revenue and um, we're not necessarily considering the price point. I know a lot of times I think the brand kind of wants you to up your prices when a planet fitness comes in, just because it, it um, we just offer something completely different than planet fitness. And that's not something we're thinking about. And so we're definitely not thinking about lowering our prices because that's come up in conversation too. You know, people are like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to price match? No, we're not going to price match. That's like asking Longhorn to price match Waffle House for their steak breakfast. You know, we just don't do it that way. <laughs> so we, we want to reach internally with doing more group fitness, doing more community events, yeah. just um, really diving in where we've kind of, kind of just put our toes in the water. Now we're ready to jump into the water and like really yeah. start amping up um, what we do community wise and even in the gym. Yeah, and that, that revenue per member is a really good metric of that, right? It doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be our base membership price. It's built by 
personal training. It's built by group training. It's built by spa, massage, supplements, nutrition, coaching, whatever other services layered on top of that. And that's really what you spoke about when it came to differentiating yourself from the big box, whether it's Planet Fitness or whatever other big box. Yeah. Having these more individualized products available so we don't need to simply compete on price and compete on volume because it's never going to work. Yeah. If we go head to head with them, they have much deeper pockets and probably more square footage. Yeah. It's a battle. It's a battle that you're not going to win. And so you see success with that kind of revenue per member metric. I think, yeah. Anna, that's probably a pretty good place to start to wrap things up because I think that there are a number of gym owners out there that agree with you, right? Whether this is a CrossFit box, whether this is a personal training studio, 99% of them are in a losing battle when it comes to competing on price. Yeah. Where we can succeed is differentiating with higher quality. Exactly. That is a fantastic place for us to start to wrap this up. But Anna, where can we find out a little bit more about these clubs if we're looking to do so online? Um, so anytime fitness, you can type in your location at anytimefitness.com and that'll bring up your closest gym. Um, and you also, we allow online signing up as well. That's kind of new. And we are enjoying that very much. It takes the anxiety away of thinking you're going to have some high pressure sales going on. So, um, I would say, look into that. It offers free seven day trial passes for anybody that's interested in giving the gym a try with no commitment. That's fantastic. Well, Anna, thank you for your time. I appreciate your insight when it comes to overseeing this type of business model. And we'll have to check in with you again down the road and and see how everything's looking post new planet fitness in town and and see (laughs) what's going on with you guys. All right. Right. Definitely. When the shiny wears off, right? That's right. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time as well. I appreciate it. And we appreciate everyone who tuned in as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.